Ron. Hello, everyone. Let me take care of some personal business. I'm going to set phaser to stun, not to kill. Okay. I'll tell you what. I woke up this morning and I thought, God, you couldn't have given us a more perfect morning to start a Sabbath. About 7.30, 8 o'clock this morning, I walked out and I said, oh, this is what I call kingdom weather. For me, personally, to have this incredible beautiful weather. Well, we had some interesting weather last week for the Bible study and the what you call mini feast, the extended Sabbath of fun, fellowship, and whatever else you found yourself into. If you did make it to Wagner last Sabbath, we went down, of course, last Friday. And for not having been in that room after so long, I kind of walked in and it was just like, it's 15 years ago. It's 19 years ago when I got baptized, when a few of you were there. And then walking by the restaurant and seeing the little room off to the side to where it was myself. Seven or eight others got baptized that year. Of course, Frank Morang was one of the baptism counselors. And then my favorite, Bill Fowler, who was there and uh, counseling with him and, and baptized as my my firstborn son, Brooks, was there as just a child. So that's how I always can remember how many years I've been baptized. I go, okay, how old is my oldest son? Okay, he's almost 20, 19 years. It's been incredible. But what a wonderful time to have spent there in Wagner. We only got to spend there Friday for myself. For those of you who got to stay longer, I know you had a good time. And I think there are plans underway, and they're going to have more of these so that we can get together for these just good hangout sessions with people. And if you've never been to, to Wagner, I don't know, it's just an incredible little area of the world to tabernacle with God. So many people feel that way. Well, uh, when we were in the room preparing for services today, there are so many things that, that come from conversation and from life experience to where... Now, I think of that thing of what Jesus might have said of, of eyes that can actually see and ears that can actually hear. If we can maybe tap into and utilize and pray for discernment. I don't know, a certain level of the discernment that Jesus Christ walked with as he walked, as he experienced the things that he experienced. He saw things and he perceived things. I know the last message I gave was talking about prayer. And then that threefold cord about these in incredible things that we can glean from Scripture about prayer of truly what worked because it's scripturally revealed and we are to live by every word that has been revealed to us through the incredible Bible. But I think of those crowds pressing upon him and he said, who touched me? Because someone had come up from behind him and touched his robe, had touched the hem of his cloak, but yet he knew it. The discernment as he felt that leave from him into this individual that was healed, I just think of the discernment that the Holy Spirit can provide each one of us if we, number one, pray for it 
And then number two, walk in it. Father, fill me with your spirit. How can I be a blessing to someone else today? What is it through this day, through these weeks, that I'm not in service or not actually studying the Bible? What happens, Father, in my life during the day where you're trying to show me something? Where you're trying to teach me something, but maybe throughout the day to where you're not really doing anything directly to me, but yet it's through me for the benefit of someone else. Discernment. It's an incredible gift. It's something that I wish I could have realized years ago because of so many things that have gone on in all of our lives that we just say, Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, how I wish I would have had that discernment then. But praise God when we can get to the point where we understand that we have the access to the discernment. If we can come through Christ Jesus to the very throne of God and lay everything before him at his feet and we lay some heavy things there. But isn't that what we can kind of glean from, from what the ladies are studying in James that if we ask for this wisdom because discernment and wisdom putting knowledge into action. Yeah, I know some things, you might be saying. Yeah, I've, I've, I've read some things, I know some things. But they're just things, maybe placed on the shelf, maybe tucked away somewhere, but until you actually let it motivate and generate your thoughts and your heart, because isn't that what we pray for? That the thoughts of our heart, the words of our lips, that is pleasing before God. If that's what is pleasing to him, Father, in the name of Jesus, I need you to pour out Christ-like discernment upon me to use every moment and every instant that I'm awake and alive for the advancement of the kingdom. Because seeking the kingdom always has got to be a little bit more than just looking for where you're going to go to the next Feast of Tabernacles. got to be waking up in the middle of August saying what can be done in my life today that one advances the kingdom message and then also prompting me to seek the kingdom first and that other aspect of what Jesus said there is the righteousness of the Father well anyway I really enjoyed being at Wagner and thinking about Wagner and thinking about my own personal experiences. But there were so many other people that I haven't seen for years that we used to fellowship with. But isn't it interesting, though, as people begin to develop new memories, new wonderful times that you think about as you just begin to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Branson now is kind of becoming maybe my new Wagner, if it were that it's still something about what Mr. Shaver talked about here during the minister's conference. It's that moed, it's the appointment. It's knowing that the eternal, the creator of all things, the almighty, the majesty, before there was anyone who drew breath, 
established appointments where he has placed himself into, revealed them, and now said, I want you to be here with me. I really don't think there's anything larger that we could meditate on other than appointments with the eternal. Well, now to my message. An interesting title came out of the, the meeting, like I sort of alluded to, but then started talking about the kingdom of God, which that happens, doesn't it? We'll be talking about something, and then we can begin talking about the kingdom of God. I have to give my father-in-law credit for this, and I give my father-in-law credit for a lot of things. I, couldn't, I could not have, thank you, eternal, I could not have a better father-in-law than the one I have. I love him very much. Father-in-law and neighbor. It just couldn't, it's just a double blessing. But the title is God will provide, dot, 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 if we let him. God will provide if we let him. And I think this will sort of fall underneath that title. I think I've told several here more than once through a message about that email signature. You know, you're finally with me on that when you sign something at the end of your email. I'm actually typing it, not signing it. I've had Psalm 127, verse 1, as the identifier of Ron Wilhoit. Here's who I am. This is how you can call me. This is how you can fax me if you need to. I haven't gotten a fax in years. If you need to write me a letter, write me a letter. And oh, by the way, Psalm 127.1. And how over the past few months, I've had some conversations via email and over the telephone with certain people who have seen that and wanted to know a little bit more about it. And most recently, I talked to you about an individual who on the phone questioned me about it and said, well, what's it all about? And I said, well, it's just how I try to approach everything in my life. If the eternal does not build the house, I'm just going to mess it up. And it really struck a chord with him, too. And we talked about Proverbs 3 a little bit. And this went on to, for us to talk about prayer and praying for one another's children, specifically his daughter, who was moving from a small town to the big city, first big job, first apartment, all of these things that you would be hmm, a little concerned about, but if it was your daughter, you'd probably be more than just a little concerned about it. And he was a little concerned, and so we, of course, joined prayer over that, and I even told other people about this specific thing, and everything went great. No worries, he said, big God. No worries, big God. Four, four words, no worries, big God. Well, I hadn't heard from him in a few weeks. Got an email from him a couple of weeks ago. He was wanting to, as a fellow believer in Jesus Christ, he said he prayed about our church group and our worship time that we spend in what he called his knee time. And then he wanted me to enjoy a great Easter. Hang on. See, I knew this is where this was going to go, but hang on. 
and talking about Palm Sunday and certain things about Easter. And so I said, you know, I've kind of come to a point now with this guy that I've got to respond back. So in my response, I said, I'm very excited about these days because of the bread and the wine. And I said, and also because the congregation will be getting together to do foot washing as Jesus Christ so did. And I ended the email with something like, these are fantastic days. I'm very excited. What response do you think I got? Nothing. Nothing. So here's an individual we had talked about several things. Our kids, daughter moving, heart things. Had each other pray for each other on certain things and talked about foot washing, the bread and the wine in the context of an Easter salutation, or not really a salutation, well maybe, crickets. So what do you think I was thinking? Do you think I was thinking what you're thinking right now? Because I did, until I got an email. I was thinking the same thing. See, I was convinced in my thoughts about how he had uh, taken that until I got an email back saying that he remembers when his congregation participated in foot washing and when he was on his knees washing someone's feet. It was the most humble experience he'd ever had in his life. So I was wrong. I was sure quick, though. Hmm. I had to say something. The way I said it was what I was looking forward to, because that's my hope within me. And then to receive that back, you know, I was humbled. So here was someone wishing me to have a good Easter, telling me how humbling of an experience it was for him when he washed another person's feet. And how stupid I felt. And I really did. I said, Ron, you're going, how many, you're almost 50, and you still just don't quite get it. Slowly, slowly, we turn a big ship. We're going to turn slowly. But let's look at Matthew 7 and in verse 1. Matthew 7 and in verse 1. Jesus. I mean, Jesus gave us the example. You know, can you imagine sitting there at the table with him? some of the conversations that were going on and the thoughts that were going through their minds as this would be the last Passover with the disciples. 
to see Jesus get up and gird himself with a towel and then sit down and start washing somebody's feet, when they had proclaimed this was the Messiah, I think we would have all responded as Peter did. Are you kidding me? But not knowing and making that, I think I know what's going on, so let me say something, but not having a clue to what's truly going on. Then having Jesus say, mm, you don't quite get it yet. Well, then let us all respond as Peter did, just not to feet just washing me all the way, but he says, no, you still don't get it. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. God will provide if we'll let him. That's incredible. I'd love that. God will provide if we'll let him. But Jesus continues here. Judge not that you be not judged. Now you can take that to whatever level you feel doctrinally safe doing that with. I'd just like to not do it at all. Hadn't really got me anywhere in the past. Didn't help recently. Judge not that you be not judged. Ooh, but verse 2, brethren, friends, brothers and sisters, believers of Jesus, here on the Sabbath, for what, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now see, confessing my faults like James says, which is even in our bulletin. I kind of bowed up and harshly judged real quick by the silence. Thinking I had a clue what was going on in this man's heart and mind as he was on his knees maybe praying for me. I'm going to get a harsh one. If that's what he's saying, because I judged harshly. For what judgment you judge, Ron, and you know how harsh it was. You really didn't say much about it, but it was heard. See, there's things that you can think about without saying a word that will affect your whole disposition. Because of your thought life. What's going on in between here? affects everything that you do. Not just what you say, either. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. So it was one of those things that you repent about. Praise God for repentance. Praise God for that, what, discernment? To get on my knees and repent. Because see what that does, that totally negates the things that I pray about. If I pray about, Father, use me today to be a blessing to someone else. Cleanse me of all the fear I have of this tangible stuff, of making a living, providing for my kids, making sure they have shoes. Cleanse me of all the fear of that so that I can actually be used to maybe help someone who's struggling with that. Well, Ron, I can't use you because you're totally worthless by the way you think. Judge not, that you be not judged. Now James has something interesting to say about this in concerning thoughts. So if we look at James 4. Ladies, where are you at in your James study? Are you in the 4 yet? You're in the 5? You've got about two more weeks, I think. And 
Did you ever think you could draw that many weeks out of, of little James? I bet you wish you'd probably go twice as long. James 4. I don't have the back projector up, so I'll have to catch up over there. James 4. We'll call that verse 11. This has been used before in, in numerous messages. But maybe not so much in this context coming from me as there's kind of an interesting word that he, he says here. Because he says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother, and he starts talking about the law. But I don't want to go get off on a tangent about the law. You know, speak not evil one of another. Okay, well, that's what I said. I didn't say anything, right? But, but I thought it. See, that's where I guess you could be somewhat legalistic. Lord, you can't hold that against me because I didn't say anything. Right? It's what you said. Hmm. Speak not. But that whole self-dialogue thing, how quick we are to sum everything up in that millisecond and think we can come into a situation, you know, you know, not say a word and just totally be so rendered void about kingdom, king, kingdom advancing and gospel advancing without saying a word by your thoughts. And it's the judgment thoughts. It's those judgment thoughts. Because we're, we're judging constantly. We're judging constantly. We're, we're making... Well, how we feel, whether it's the carnal man, the old man that we buried in baptism who likes to resurrect himself every now and again. Oh, here's a good moment for the old man to come up and cast judgment without saying a word. But see, the newness of life, the discernment and the wisdom takes a simple scripture of speak not evil one of another brethren, we have to take it to the point of thinking and our thoughts. Because it's been a lot of, you know, these, these simple things, these simple engagements that we have in life, one-on-one -on -one conversations, meeting somebody for the first time, everybody kind of bumps into each other and then they go away with a notion that's somebody I'd like to get to know better. Whew. Hope I never run into him again. There he is. And then you're off this way. It happens. But see, it happens to each of us too. Did you ever think that there's people in the world that really don't care for any of you? You know? Now that was, that's something. To think that people in this world don't care anything about you and would rather avoid you. But see, that's where we have to be different. If we've been crucified to the world and the world to us, and it's therefore no longer any of us that live, but Christ who lives in us, that's someone that everybody needs. 
is the Jesus Christ dwelling within each one of us, even to the level of how we feel about not getting a response from an email. Because I've said this so many times because when it was told to me, it was like a prickly barb. Ooh, that hurt, but I needed that. And so sometimes God's working out other things in other people's lives that don't have anything to do with any, each of us. God is working in other people's lives and it might not have anything to do with any of us. But when it's time to be utilized by God and the Holy Spirit to share Christ Jesus, you better be equipped with discernment and wisdom so that you can transfer the hope that we say we have into that person. So, it's just been interesting. It's just been very interesting. Kind of looking at life, relationships, daily situations from an outside of my own brain perspective. But it's been through years of begging God to help me. be useful to someone other than just myself and we're still working on it because I'm here to tell you I maybe put a time limit when I responded concerning the foot washing I said well we'll see what happens here and then when nothing happened how I thought it might ought to if it was met agreeably didn't happen look out that old man's right there ready to judge point fingers and just almost un just undo it all just undo it all does that make you feel good the carnal man feels good when you just chunk it all and it might be a 30 second engagement Have the oil filled. Be ready because you don't know what hour. That might apply to more than just anticipation of Christ coming back. We don't know the hour. We don't know the hour, the situation that might require you to transfer some of Christ living in you to somebody else. We just don't know. All right, let's look at Hebrews 4 in verse 12. But shall, as you turn to Hebrews 4, looking there at <clears throat> James 4, 11, which says, speak not evil one of another. Mm, it's not a license to let your thoughts go crazy. Mm. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Verse 
It's in verse 12. <clears throat> For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. This is what I want you to get out of this. And is a discerner of the thoughts. I mean, that's kind of a lot. Da, 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 right there at the end. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, that's what the psalmist prayed for. That's a, that's a prayer that each of us have. What I said earlier. But the meditations of my heart and mind and the words of my mouth be pleasing. Well, the word of God is that discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So there is, it's thoughts. So, I remember as a kid, I was told to wash my mouth. Ron, watch your mouth. Because I would experiment with these new words I heard. I remember, boy, I pulled one on my grandma once. I didn't know. It was a little more than watch your mouth. <laughs> It was worse that backside. Well, I watched my mouth for a while. And then there was a long time that my mouth just went crazy. I still got a problem with it when I drive. <laughs> but looking at this in Hebrews, I mean, it's an incredible chapter not just without the Sabbath, which is so evident in Hebrews 4. But it's just that little bit there in the last bit of that verse in, chapter, in verse 12. A discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, when I think about these things and I think about how quick I have been at times too. Not have every thought carried captive unto the obedience of Christ Jesus like it should be when, I, when I've got to take them there. I've got to take my thoughts. I've got to take my thoughts to the feet of the Lord carried captive unto the obedience of Christ Jesus so that when my thoughts and when the intent of my heart. You know, it was laid open. So it's all going to be laid open. That word naked. It's all going to be laid open. We can play a game with ourselves by doing that. Well, I didn't say anything. But see, thoughts are something that the Holy Spirit will function at. The discernment of the thoughts. Because out of the abundance of here... So just watching the mouth doesn't do anything to my heart. But it's been a good lesson, and uh, it's a growth opportunity for me, and it's a growth opportunity for each one of us every year. Is What is it? We examine ourselves? Examine? Well, I got a chance to. Uh, I'm wanting so in trying to measure up to that stature of the fullness of, of the Savior in this examination that has come and I failed.
I don't know, it's strengthened me a little bit and it's comforted me that through discernment of the Holy Spirit, the next time, the next time, a little bit more of the grace, the mercy, the loving kindness, the tender mercy, the healing, and the compassion. All of these things that I pray to the eternal for him to pour out on me, the next time, maybe my heart will be filled with this, and my thoughts and my mind will be filled with this, so that I can share those Christ-like qualities, if to no one else, but just to myself, so that I'm not found wanting, being judgmental, and a very carnal, and just kind of revolt, just kind of disgusting in a way that to where I just, Lord, you just need to wash me in this. But see, that's it. We have the boldness to go before the throne in Christ Jesus. And I think at certain times when we've been kind of beaten up, and not to continue beating up on ourselves, but when if something is laid before the feet of Christ Jesus, realize that he'll remove it. And see what's great about that, when something is removed, whether it's a little root of bitterness, maybe it's something that we've allowed to sit up in our hearts and minds. If we pray for the removal of that, that leaves a void that then can be filled with more of the Holy Spirit. That's what James talks about in that praying for wisdom. We'll have it if we have more of the Holy Spirit. And to close with the title, God will provide if we let him.